Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Caleb again with Catch the Fever Fishing Podcast. And we're back with a very special segment today with somebody that we're all familiar with. Uh, and he's a, a, a catfishing fanatic and a, a great guide out on Santee Cooper uh, that we're going to be talking with today. And that is Captain Paul Blackwell. Paul, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. We're we're glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, we've we've already talked to some anglers across the country, uh, close by and 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 uh, a ways out who who fish river systems and different techniques on some of the previous podcasts. And uh, we definitely wanted to hit on uh, targeting uh, trophy catfish in lakes and kind of pick your brain uh, for the next little bit and see, uh, you know what it is that that you do that makes you uh so productive on the water so we're definitely glad to have you i appreciate Um, it absolutely guys uh paul here he's located down in south carolina uh he's been doing this a while he's he he came a long ways really fast in the catfishing uh industry uh he's been a catch the fever angler for right on about four years now uh, he does an absolutely great job. He's got a wealth of knowledge that he can share with us. So, Paul, if you would just take a minute, kind of introduce yourself. Um, uh, tell us, you know, the, the name of your guide business and also where you're, where you're, where you're out of and a little bit how you got started. Uh, as Caleb mentioned, I'm Paul Blackwell. Um, I'm a U.S. Coast Guard captain. Uh, I run and operate fish on guide service on the Santee Cooper Lakes. Um, I primarily focus on the lower lake, Lake Moultrie, and I, we run my service. We we put in at Hills Landing there on the canal. It's got motels, restaurant, et cetera. Uh, so it's pretty convenient for the for the guests and for myself. Um, how I got my start was decided to go fish a tournament one day. Um, you know, been catfishing or fishing all my life, and you know, I got into the tournament scene fishing some local tournaments and done pretty well and then I took off and started fishing some of the national ones and done well with those as well and uh I just kind of got burnt out on traveling every weekend and and I started focusing on the Santee Lakes uh for about a year and a half before I decided to, to start the guide service and here we are good deal well you know, Santee Lake Moultrie that you mentioned, I mean, it's it's a great fishery. It's a great place to be. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys have a really nice fishery out there as far as trophy catfish, but just because it's a it's a healthy fishery and just because it's it's uh it's got a lot of resources to grow some really big fish, you still kinda gotta have a, a pattern. You gotta know what you're doing, especially on that body of water being open uh, you know, like it is. Uh, I know it's 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 susceptible to the elements like you know uh, thunderstorms and stuff like that. You definitely have to have a game plan getting out there on that water, wouldn't you say? Yes, sir. It's uh it's a different animal. You know, most lakes have creek runs and and bends in them where you can get out of the elements. Lake Moultrie does not. It is a massive bowl. It's sixty five thousand acres and it's just one big circle. There's no wind breaks. There's no creeks. So definitely the weather dictates a lot of your fishing and you have to be prepared, especially on that lake to change your whole game plan at the blink of an eye. And so you, you've on 
saying to you, you've really got to, you got to be three steps ahead of yourself um, or you're going to have a rough day of fishing. Right. So safety is really uh, a big aspect of it. When if, if guys, if you're listening, you're thinking about heading out there and, and doing some fishing, uh, we would definitely recommend uh, contacting Paul, uh, getting his information. At the end of this podcast, we'll be giving his information out, how you can do that, where you can go and uh, get a general idea of uh, how to operate that body of water safely so you can go out there and enjoy your time fishing. And, and Paul, we just we touched on a little bit about how you got started with guiding and where you're guiding at. Now, what I'd like to, to bring up is, you know, we're here in the fall time. Uh, we're going to be doing these podcasts all the way through fall, going into winter, spring, and guys are going to be able to see the trends change and get information on how to catch these fish and just about all this all the seasons from these great anglers that we're talking with, you know, with fall time here and the weather cooling off and it's getting cooler at nights, um, how does the bite affect these fish on that body of water? And also, uh, what's your technique? What, what's your preferred method to target these fish? Yeah, well, the, the temps are starting to drop. I mean, it was just a month ago we had 90 degree surface water uh, this past week, we're sitting on 83, flirting with 84 degrees. Um, the fish are, they're, they're on starting to make a transition. Um, it's no secret I'm a shallow water fisherman. Uh, I'm 20 foot or less year round. That's no secret. But these fish, I'm starting to find them, especially mid morning, they're really starting to, starting to move out of the shallows and starting to head out towards that 20 to 30 foot range. Um, they're still up in the shallows at night right now, but they seem to be moving out of them a lot sooner than what they were a month ago. A month ago, I was catching them 10 foot and less all day. And now they're starting to push out a little bit as the temps start cooling off, which you'd think it'd be the opposite as the water temp surface rises that they come up in the shallows, but that's not seem to be the case right now. Wow. Yeah, so they're they're definitely uh, kind of doing the opposite of what you what you do find sometimes with like you mentioned the the surface temps warming in the shallower areas and so right. I think it's more of a comfort item right now for the fish. Um, you know, in the summer they were moving out a lot earlier from like the two foot water out to about ten foot, right? And now they're moving out from that two foot to about the I don't know, the 10 to 15 foot range, somewhere in there and uh, closer to the 20. And I think it's more just a comfort zone for them. Plus the fish are doing that or the baits doing that as well. Absolutely. So the shad seems to be staying shallow all day. Absolutely. Perch and other things are starting to move out a little sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you see that trend uh, starting to get more and more aggressive uh, as it gets cooler, when I mean aggressive, you know, they start uh, or really, you know, that trend progressing uh, where the fish keep getting uh, deeper and deeper. And then at some point they come back shallow or what's the trend that you normally find, you know, navigating this this season of fall and and what the fish do. Do they do they keep going deeper? Do they come back to that shallow water? Here on um, on Santee on my lake, it's they seem to be all over the place. Um, yeah, you know, there's guys out catching fish right now in 35 and 40 foot of water. 
and there's guys catching them up shallow. Um, it, that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, it really is. Um, because yeah. again, you know, I'm a shallow water fisherman. I stay in the shallows and you'll see them schooling up. You'll, you'll mark a lot of fish out in the deeper water right now. And as it tends to get cooler, you will. But what I personally found is most of them fish aren't active. Um, they're just, they're just hanging out in basically a comfort zone. They're just hanging right. out. And even in the cooler nights, like we're down in the fifties this week at night, the fish are moving up shallow at night when it's cooling off. So that's kind of tough. Cause it's like the fish are spread out. They're not just all, you know, all right. like 14 foot. They're, they're very spread out. And it seems like that year round. Sure. I mean, for example, back in, uh, April at the Santee Monster Cat Quest tournament, I fished shallow and wore the fish out. But guys were fishing in 50 foot of water and wore them out. Right. You know, hearing you say that, it kind of, it takes me back to, you know, what we were speaking about earlier when we just, uh, when I called and invited you on, on to the podcast, you know, we had mentioned that, uh, you know, if, if you're a shallow water angler and that's where your confidence is, you'll do really well shallow water fishing. And then it's just the opposite for a guy who's more confident in deeper water. You know, they're, like you mentioned, where you're at, you know, there's fish in both places. So I guess you would say, you know, you just got to, you just got to follow your strengths and, and capitalize on, on where your confidence is. Yes, sir. I, I mean, I'm a firm believer. If you see me out in 50 foot water, <laughs> I have lost all sense of what I'm doing. <laughs> because uh, something's not working um and I, I hate deep water i right. hate it um i've caught fish in it no doubt about it but i hate it it's just it's it, i'm not strong there i'm not confident in it um i hate marking fish you know a lot of guys they mark fish and you, you see posts on social media all the time of a picture of a, a down image or sonar they won't bite but golly i'm all over just because you mark them don't mean they're hungry. And, right, you know, so, yeah, it's. I'd rather be shallow. I don't have to mark a fish to catch a fish. Right, yeah. right. That's, that's something, you know, this is only the third podcast that we've done, and that's actually something that uh, is a trend that we're starting to notice. And I know we're going to run across some guys talking with them where they mark them and put bait on them. Yes, sir. Um, but that is something that we've heard. Uh, quite often is, is I, I don't have to see those fish to, to target that area. Um, yeah. You know, which, which kind of brings us into our next subject. You know, when you go out there, you know, what, what's most important to you? What, uh, one of the things I was going to mention is, is it seeing the fish? Is it seeing the fish around bait balls or breaking up bait balls or that's not even important? Is it more just about locating the bait? You know, when you're out there, what's in your mind for, Hey, we're going to drop the trolling motor here, and we're going to, or we're going to drop an anchor here. Uh, if you've ever fished Santee, you have a plan for you. You ever leave Hills Landing? If you if you put in there, and when I get to the bottom of that canal, the wind dictates what I'm going to do. That is the very first thing I look at before I go fishing out here, on, and that's any lake. What's the wind doing? Um, you know, most lakes doesn't have don't have current. Well, wind makes current. Right. Believe it or not, wind makes current. You know, for example, here at Santee, if that if the lake is slick, fishing is awful. 
the rougher it is, the better the fishing. And what it's doing is it's just churning up all that stuff on the bottom, so it makes current. And it's no secret every fisherman out there knows that wind pushes bait. Well, catfish right. are following bait. So if you got a northeast wind, I'm headed to the southwest. If you got a southwest wind, I'm headed to the northeast. That's that's great advice. I mean, guys, that right there rules out a lot of water. I mean, that's a great tip. You know, so many guys, we, you know, you read stuff online, you hear stuff, and it seems like when you get to the boat ramp and you fire your boat up and you back it off the trailer, you're on a new body of water. Seems like all that goes out of your mind, and you see that big body of water, and you're like, "Okay, where to start?" Well, that that advice right there, you know, can really help an angler figure out where to start by determining which way that wind's going, and uh, and and kind of look for where that that bait's getting pushed, following that that plankton. And uh, that's a great tip. That's a great tip. Now, Paul, kind of talking further about that. Uh, you know, with wind driving bait and then the, the fish being after the bait. Um, if it's day one of, of a north wind, uh, but two days before it was blowing south, you know, is there a, a certain time frame where you, uh, the wind has to be consistent uh, to, to push the bait? Or do you see where, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, if it's, if it's, if it was blowing south, for two days do you go you know straight to the north because it's been two days consistent does it does it mess you up when it's uh, been consistent for two days and then on the third day it kind of changes direction or do you still see those fish staying in there uh you know on that old pattern for a little while yeah they uh, they do they seem to stay i mean of course you're gonna have fish that that's gonna run over to the other side you know to right. the north but they'll still right. be fish there on the south side you know if it's coming out of the south headed north They'll still be fish there. And, you know, like this lake being a big bowl, a lot of times I'll fish there because it makes the fishing a little bit easier, especially if you got like a 10 mile an hour wind. Sure. But at the same token, it's, it's one of those, it's just like patterning anything. Anytime you're patterned, you got to try it. If it don't work, go do the complete opposite, go the complete opposite side. Um, if, you know, if you just got a five mile an hour wind, you know, it's been blowing. 10, 15 mile an hour from the north to the south, and then it switches to from south to north, and it's just five, they'll pretty well still be there. Right. You know, if it's right. a hard wind that's really pushing hard, they're going to move a little faster, that's for sure. Right, absolutely. Well, when it comes to, to bait of choice, you know, uh, especially fall time fishing, I, I'm, I'm really harping on fall just because that's the season we're in, and a lot of the anglers that are, are just getting into this podcast and tuning in, uh, this is a season that we're all looking at and that we can get the uh, the best advice and, uh, and and learn something the fastest where we can go out and tomorrow apply it on the water. Um, what what do you see the, the bait of choice a lot of times? I know it can change, but what, what do you see the best bait for fall time fishing? For me, it's gizzard chad. Um, and right now seems to be that transition for me. During the summer here, perch is, in my book, king. I don't pretty much i don't go fish with anything else when it's hot during the summer yeah. months after uh about mid-spring i start putting some perch in the boat along with shad and river herring um skipjack whatever you want to call it yeah and i start transitioning over that perching into the hot months well now the perch bite is starting to back off and they're starting to trend towards 
the gizzard shaft. And here in another month, I'll probably be strictly using gizzard shad from now till spring. So you notice their their appetite definitely changes with the season that they're they're in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, last weekend I was gator hunting, but I was up in the shallows and I could see the big catfish coming through. And what they were chasing was them big gizzard shad up there, up in the shallows. And you could see them coming through, and I mean they'd breach water. So there, I mean that right there is a sign, sign tell that they are starting to trend towards that, as well as you know shad's a finicky bait, right? Um, and in the winter time, they get up in the shallows, trying to get that warmer water and the plankton, which that's where the plankton is as well, right? So, yeah, I mean that that's trend starting to happen now. I mean when I was like I said, the perch bite's starting to die off for me, and the shad bite's starting to pick up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny when you hear hear talk about that that shallow water. Um, you know, the guys that fish shallow water, and that's their strength. You know, that's nothing new. But there's so many guys that you talk to all across the country, and they're like, "There's no way, yeah, a sixty eighty pound yep. fish is going to be in five foot of water." You'd be surprised. Uh... I've, I've been fortunate. I put a good many fish over 60 pounds in the boat just off this one lake. And, you know, a lot of them's come dead of winter in six foot or less of water. <laughs> and guys, like, are, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I mean, you know, last year we caught a 93 in February and um, he come off of a four foot flat. Wow. That's awesome. Um, in February. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, you can definitely catch them in that shallow water for sure. And uh, you know, Paul, when you're you, you you mentioned you're a shallow water guy, you like to stay in that kind of that area. When you're shallow water fishing, uh, do you find anchoring being more productive, or do you find uh, trolling? You know, what do you do? And uh, you know, what what do you what do you base it off of? How do you know when you're going to anchor, uh, or when the conditions are right for trolling? There's a couple variables for me personally. Um, one's the wind. The rougher the wind, I'm going to anchor. The fish just seem to move, just like that river system with the current. They seem to move sure. more. I'm going to anchor. If it's five, six mile an hour or less, I'm drifting. I'll, I'll drift all day. Um, and because the fish just don't seem to move that much when it's calmer. So I'm going right. to move and I'm going to cover area. And and I'll tend to pick up more fish drifting that way. And that's in the shallows. I mean, I'll drift through two foot of water. But anchoring, the windier it is, I'm going to anchor. And then another thing with whether I'm going to drift or anchor is when I pull up and I look for bait. And I don't look for big piles of bait. I won't fish big piles of bait. I look for four or five small bait pockets in, say, a two-acre area. And if I find that, I'm going fishing. My theory is them big schools of bait, just like a deer. If there's a coyote around, you ain't going to have a herd of deer standing around. They gone. Right. And with targeting trophy fish, same scenario, same situation. Big trophy fish, them big piles of bait. They ain't going to stay around. Right. And right. 
so that's kind of my theory with that. So I look for that, and then, you know, like I said, the wind has a big factor in it. You know, if I find that, that scenario of bait, I look at the temp of the water, what the wind's doing, and what time of the day it is. And that tells me where I'm going to put my boat as far as whether I anchor or I drift, what direction I'm going to drift back towards the bait, from shallow to deeper, deeper to shallow, um, where I'm going to position my boat on anchor. So that the wind and then where I find the bait's the two key factors for me. Well, man, that those are all good answers. I mean, that's, that's great advice. Great advice. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, – shallow to deeper uh you know morning time and evening time is is there a certain time where uh you know one's more productive than the other you know is it is it morning times that you find is more productive being on anchor or trolling than it is in the evening uh you know is there is is there a a, a, a time where you find one's better than the other for me personally yes um i like to anchor up to about three maybe four hours after sunrise and then all night, or from about two hours before sunset and all night, I love to anchor. Um, to me, the fish just seem to be more aggressive, feeding a little bit harder. Right. So that I love to anchor during the time. And I'm not saying that I won't anchor all day long, because I will. I've sat on one sure. spot all day long and not had a bite for six hours, and all of a sudden my boat's loaded with fish, and I'm talking about good fish. So I'm patient, but that seems to be the better anchor times for me. After that, I like to drift in the midday range till about, you know, say 11 o'clock, 10 to 11 o'clock till about, you know, like right now, sun's going down about 7.30. So to about 5.30, I like to drift. And again, I'm patient and I like to, and the fact that I am shallow, I want to get in there and get anchored up early. And I'm not right. expecting a bite, but I want everything quiet, everything settled down. I want to beat the bait to the shallows. Right. I want to watch the bait come by my boat. So you want to have the table set before the, before the they ever people get, get there. there that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So that's that's kind of the way I look at it, especially in the evenings. And, then, you know, in the morning, if I, I'm riding out through there and I mark bait out in 10 foot, that tells me the fish should be in about five foot, somewhere in that range, because they're following that right. bait out. So I'm going to try to find something in between. Right. You know, I might sit on a four-foot flat, dropping off into ten-foot and a six-foot ditch on the other side, something like that. I'm going to sit on that and try to get between them. That's my goal is basically to get between the bait and the fish every time regardless of Absolutely. what I'm doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that, that's all good information as well. You know, with you talking about starting out in the morning on anchor, and then as the day goes on, it seems like that pattern that you put together when the fish are most aggressive, you just kind of anchor and, and be quiet and, and try to target that trophy fish on anchor. And then as the, the feeding time kind of backs off, you start, you really start going after them. Yeah, at that point. exactly. It's, you know, first part of the morning, you're still hunting. The rest of the day, you're stalking. That's kind of the Running way. Dogs. That's it. That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's exactly how I look at it. Let's go get them. Yeah. You know, hit them in the head, piss them off, and make them bite. 
you know <laughs> that's right get a reaction by that's that. right that's right that's it that's it you know we call it the ice cream cone effect and it it's been said many times and uh, uh there's a guy he, he's no longer guides on kerr lake and he used to say the same thing and he he'd call it the candy bar effect he'd say you know, you're not really hungry until I pull this candy bar out of this cooler, and then you want one too. That's right. So you know, right. by bringing it by bringing it out and putting it in front of them, uh, you know, if they're not interested in biting that, that'll entice them for sure. Uh, and you mentioned anchoring, uh, starting out in the morning. Uh, how long will you will you anchor? What's an acceptable anchor time in your opinion for what your experience has showed you? Uh, is it a ten minute wait? Is it a twenty minute wait? Uh, does it have to do with the quality fish you're looking for? What what What's an acceptable wait time on anchor? So there's a lot of guys that's going to disagree with me on this, but it's paid off for me, and I'm confident, so I do it. Yeah. I drop my anchor. I promise you we will not pull that anchor for three hours. Right. We will not. Bite or no bite. If I'm confident enough to drop my anchor, I'm fishing. I'm going to get right. everything it's got. I'm going to make sure there's nothing coming through where I'm fishing at. Um, I don't drop an anchor and if I ain't got nothing an hour later, move. And then, you know, some guys have that rule of if they catch two small fish, they're gone. Two or three small fish. I disagree with that as well. Um, I found that when I drop my anchor, like I said, I'm, I'm there a good three hours. I'm not moving. And you know, you might drop anchor and 10 minutes later, you catch a 10 pound fish and 20 minutes later, you might catch a 10 pounder. And then all of a sudden, them 10 pounders quit pecking on you, you bait, you quit catching them. And you think, well, the fish are gone. That don't mean that. Them little fish is on the menu. Right. Them big fish That's might right. be coming through. Right. So I'm going to wait it out. Them fish Absolutely. left for a reason. Them little fish will peck you to death. We all know that. If they stop abruptly, there's a reason. Right. And they, Something's done running that's out right. of the area. And there ain't but one or two reasons on this lake. An alligator's come through or a trophy <laughs> catfish. <laughs> <laughs> and you hope it's you hope it's the catfish. Yes, sir. Unless, you're, yes, unless sir. you book the gator hunt. That's, that's right. Paul unless you, that exactly. Well. <laughs> so it's one of the two. So be patient. And you'd be surprised at how many big fish I've caught 30 minutes to an hour after them little, them little pecs and them little small fish left my bait alone. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah. You know, I like when you said, you know, if you're confident enough to drop the anchor, uh, you're going to sit there. I, I think that's a very true statement. There's many guys I've done it before where I've dropped an anchor, sat there for 20, maybe 20 minutes. I'm like, Oh man, this ain't the right spot. We need to roll. And then somebody come, somebody come in behind me and, uh, you know, they end up calling me and say, Hey, you know, I appreciate you right. uh, baiting this hole for this fish. I just caught. And I just think, man, if I just sat there a little bit longer, it reminds me, uh, what Gerald Swindle says in his bass in his, in his bass, uh, conversations, he says, if I'm confident enough to cast that lure out there, I'm going to fish it all the way back to the boat. That's right. And, uh, that's, that's what that reminds me of too many guys, uh, drop that anchor and then they say oh man we ain't got a we ain't we ain't caught a fish in in 20 minutes when that big fish uh may be in that area and uh if you would have just waited it out uh you know you would have had a real good chance at a trophy yes sir uh 
my wife and I and a good friend of mine, Seth Hagen, we sit on the spot one day, and, I mean, it, it looked right. The bait was out ahead of us. We, we pulled in there. We got in behind the bait where we thought the fish would be on this ditch line. We sat there six hours and didn't get a bite. And I knew it was going to end up happening. Within 45 minutes, we had six fish in the 50-pound range in the boat. Wow. But we, we waited it out because right. I mean, we kept watching the bait just pop the top of the water. Right. And then they stopped. It wasn't an hour later. It was it was game time. Right, right. That's, keep them out of the boat. That's good stuff. Guys, if you're listening, really, really take that in right there. You know, when you're on a body of water, uh, you know, and, 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 and like what Paul's preaching here, you know, you make sure, you know, that there's bait in the area first and foremost above everything, that there's bait in the area, there's some activity, and uh, if you see the bait, you know, get in there, get set up, and wait on that big fish because it's just like a trophy deer. You know, you're not going to go out there, and, I mean, it happens. There's some there's things that happen all the time, but uh, you've really got to wait on that trophy, and uh, those catfish are no different, and that's the theme that uh, it seems like, you know, talking with you, Paul, on, on Anchor is, Look for the bait and wait for that big fish to uh, to make his move. Yeah. So the bait bait will tell you everything you need to know. You learn the bait, you'll learn your fish. It don't matter where right. you at in this country, um, right? You know, you pull up, and I I keep referring back to shallow because that's what I fish. Yeah, you know, so you're sitting in six foot of water and and you're watching shad bust the top of the water. You know they're active. Sure. That ain't nothing but a dinner bell for a catfish. That's right. That's right. You know, and so there's catfish in there. You know, you just got to wait him out. Um, something else I've noticed, especially with fishing shallow, you know, if, if you think the fish aren't there, you ever see a gizzard shad jump up out of the water like a carp does? Because yeah. And it's the same reason. Yeah. Carp right. got spooked, and that's their defense mechanism. Shad same way. Ain't but one reason. Right. That's a big a fish. That's a big that's, that's right. They're not gonna jump from a five pound catfish. Right. You know, so I mean right. pay attention to your bait, because I mean it'll tell you a lot. The birds and the bait. You know, the birds will show you where the bait is if you look at them. Then you just pay attention to your bait and they'll show you where the fish is gonna be. That's exactly right, Paul. That is that is great advice. So guys you know, next time you get out there on that water and you say, man, well, I need to figure out where the bait's at, at what depth the bait's at, and fish my confidence uh, depth. Uh, you know, how do I find the bait? Like you just said, Paul, you know, look for birds. You know, I think a lot of people, and I'm an electronics guy. I love electronics. I love them. I, if, I, if I could, I'd have 15 electronics and about 30 <laughs> batteries on the boat. But so many times... Uh, it hangs people up and, and listening to this, you know, just reminds you there's so much that's out there and that's happening. And if you get stuck behind that fish finder too much, you'll miss the obvious trying to overcomplicate it. Looking for birds, looking at your wind direction, how long the wind's been blowing in that direction. Like you just said, that rules out water right there. Get in that area. Once you get in that area, if you see birds, if you don't see birds, look for shad popping. If you see shad popping, I mean, it all lines up. And, it really uh, does. You know, this is once you put all that together, then you just got to pick the spot. Right. Well, 
I fish from charts. Honest to God, I could use my charts and my down imaging and go fishing anywhere. I don't look for fish. All I want to see is bait. If I see bait, I'm going fishing. And where that bait is, I look at my chart. Then I look for the closest ditch, for the closest hunt, ledge. That's between where I think the fish are now and that bait. And that's what I fish. So you're looking for for structure on the vibe, something different. And that was actually what was going to be my next question, Paul, is, you know, cover on the bottom, like a a tree, a a brush pile or something, or uh, structure like a ledge or a hump. You know, what's your what's the main thing you look for uh, in that in your particular body of water that produces the best? When on anchor, honestly, all I fish is ditches. I fish the ditch itself and the flats above it. Right. I don't really fish the humps and all, but you know, for other bodies of waters, that's that's what you'd be looking for. As well, sure. There's a lot of ditches on my lake. There's a lot sure. of humps, a lot of rolling hills, a lot of stumps. Um, but I look for ditches. To me, a ditch is nothing but a highway. Those big fish come up over a four foot flat; they're easily seen. But they run through a a ditch at six foot with a four or five foot flat above them, they're not seen very easy. Right. So right. I try to put baits in them ditches and then on the flats all the way around it. And something else I do while anchoring, and this is kind of my secret, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so when I anchor, I fish eight rods. That's just, right. If you can't catch them off eight rods, <laughs> you know, I mean, you fish 24 rods. That's a lot of baits you got to keep up with. <laughs> and when you're guiding... It's hard to catch bait sometimes. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, I, I anchor fish with eight rods and I throw seven of them out the back, out the back and off the two sides, all behind the console. Basically, those those baits will be put at a Pacific target, the ditch, right. the flat above it. But I always take one and it's the only pin reel I own on my boat. I throw it out the front just in wherever the wind allows it to go. I don't care what direction. And I cut the clicker on, and I let, I let it sit, and I forget it. And I use that rod basically to make sure I'm fishing the right depth. It's kind of like using planer boards on the drift. You know, you covering, you might be covering eight-foot differences when you're making a drift with planer boards right? running down a ledge. Well, if I'm fishing in six foot off into a, eight foot ditch and that six foot flat well that rod i'm throwing out front is probably hitting four foot right so that that's basically it's like a test rod let's see what happens sure. that's right and you'd be surprised at how many times that rod catch about two fish i'll pull up anchors move back 50 yards and wear them out wow that's 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 awesome that's that's good thinking that's um, really good thinking. all jokes aside quick story I'm sure you know Brian and Melinda Folsom. Yeah. They came out and fished with me one day. They had half a day. They could fish with me. Melinda been on me about uh, she wanted her personal best. And I said, we're going to make it happen. And that's hard for a guy to say, especially when you got to beat a 50-pound fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pressure's you know, on. Comes, yeah, the pressure's on. Somebody comes and says, you know, I'm big, so I caught 15 pounds. This is easy money. You know, but 50-pounder, that's, that's tough. I said, we're going to do our best. So we went out, we set up anchor. 
again, we had that front rod out in a little shallower water, and uh, it caught two fish. I told Brian Lynn, I said, let's back up 50 yards. We backed up 50 yards, dropped anchors, done it again. What, in 10 minutes, she broke a personal best. Wow. But if I hadn't had that rod there, that one bait out the front, and it's basically helping me pattern these fish is all it's doing. Right. I wouldn't have known them fish was back there. Wow. And we wouldn't have caught her personal best. Wow. Man, that's always nice when you get somebody on the boat who's looking to beat a, a PB. You know, you start out with the pressure on you, but, man, when that's the first fish, it's like, well, we can relax the rest of the day. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> and, sir. Uh, that technique that you're talking about, that's something that a lot of guys can put in their back pocket. I mean, that that's what this podcast is all about is it's seeing things and how other guys are successful out there on the water and, and, and guys listening to it and then saying, hey, you know what, I don't fish that particular body of water, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to try that on this particular body of water that I fish. And I think if guys do that and they kind of pull information from these, these shows that, you know, it's, it's going to make them more successful in their home body of water. Yes, sir. I agree. I mean, when I go to, you know, I fished, I've been blessed. I've got to fish from the Mississippi and dang near everything on the East coast. And I use the same thing I use here when I go there right. or anywhere else. And, and it works for me. I mean, right. I catch fish. <laughs> I ain't right. going every tournament, but I made a showing. So that's right. That's it. There you go. You know, and it'll, you go out to these, well, you know, when, we go out to these rivers like when you and i fished mississippi we were trying to fish like river fishermen it wasn't working. Sure. that's right we had to go back to our strong suit on, on fishing the lake. things that we were strong in yeah and, and we put a fish in the boat that's it that's you know it. don't try to be a fisherman you're not right that's the biggest right. advice you know bumping that's a massive thing now it's real big it's a great technique i promise you it is it works but it ain't my strong suit right so you ain't gonna see me bumping down the river Right, fifteen thousand dollar paycheck. Right, you're, you're going to be see me anchored up, doing some drifting or something for a fifteen thousand dollar paycheck because that's my strong suit. Right, it so. goes back to to doing what you're confident in, and confident is really a big thing. People say, "Well, you can't bait a hook with confidence. You can't do this with confidence. You can't write confidence on a piece of paper, put it on a hook, and a fish bite it." But that ain't what we're saying. If you are confident in what you are doing. It's going to help your decision-making, and in the end, that's going to help you put your baits in a, in the strike zone and get bit. Yes, sir. I mean, if you stick to your game, you know, buddy of right. mine, Joey Pounders, he's one of the top flathead fishermen there is. Boy, yeah. does good. He, I mean, he catches some flathead. I don't care where he goes in the country. He targets flatheads. Right. Because that's his strong suit. Right. And he'll whoop you at right. these tournaments. And the reason being is – he knows he's strong at it, and he sticks with it. Right. You know, right. and and that's that's what you got to do. I mean, it, you won't make as many mistakes if you stick with what you know. That's right. That's exactly right. Try something new when you're fun fishing. Yeah. You when you're tournament fishing. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. You know, but confidence to me is the biggest thing. Confidence, um, and don't pay attention to other anglers and what i mean by that is facebook's a great tool but let's say and i'm going back to tournament fishing or just any type of fishing people won't look at everybody's pictures well so-and-so's fishing down next to the cat food plant 
fish what you know how to fish. Stick right. to your plan. Right. Make the fish change your plan. Right. Not something else. That's great advice. Man, that's good advice. Make the fish change your plan. That's right. Apply everything that's been talked about really in this podcast and some from the previous and, and target those fish and get on a pattern on the fish, but don't let somebody else uh, trip you up or, or lead yeah. you. you know, just somewhere the fish will not. show you everything you need to know. That's you get right. skunked today, it's because you didn't pay attention to the fish. Right. It ain't because they weren't biting. They's always a hungry fish. That's right. It's because you wasn't paying attention to what they're showing you. Right. That's right. I always tell people, I just ran out of time. I just tell them that. That's what I tell them. When I don't do good, if I fish a tournament, I just said, you know, I was trying to uh, rule out water. I just ran out of time. And they're like, no, you just didn't do well. And I'm like, well, you're right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, I always blame it on the time factor. Even if it is go. a 12-hour tournament, I think I'd have found them if it was a 13-hour tournament. That's there what I say. I blame it on the stumps. <laughs> That's it. Well, no, I, I'm fortunate. I, I mean, I do get the <laughs> privilege to fish on a great fishery, and I've, I've you know, I've caught a lot of big fish and a lot of clients have. And so I've got to see a lot of them. And But on that same token, man, I've lost a lot of great fish too. <laughs> I know. I know. Anytime I have heard that story all over uh, from where you guys are located, that the stumps are just something. And, you know, even when we uh, we shot a video uh, with uh, Paul uh, out there on the water and he was telling us about the stumps and how brutal they were. And uh, we actually hung into a really good fish that was pulling drag. I mean, he was a really yeah. strong fish, and that's exactly what he was. He ended up getting tied up on. He was pulling drag and running to that stump, and he got in it. But we got him out. We did. We chased him down with the trolling motor and got him out. Yep, mm -hmm. that was that was amazing. That was a, a first time I've ever seen uh, somebody put the trolling motor on high and chase the fish down tied into a stump and then we get him out that was pretty cool yeah i gotta give credit to jeff dodd on that one he uh he's the one told me how to do it he, he didn't show me yeah but he told me and I, I started doing it a little bit when it happened because it happens to me a lot down here yeah and you'd be surprised 80 percent of the time i'll still catch that fish right if i can get to him quick enough right I mean, that, that works but yeah that's that's great. Well, well, Paul, we've talked a lot, a lot and, and covered a lot of great techniques and, and what you look for and what you do. I mean, if we just shut the podcast off at this very second, there's been a wealth of knowledge for, for anglers to gain. And the last thing I want to cover is uh, if there's a guy out there who's, who's just getting into it or, or looking to get out there on that body of water, what's, what's the gear that you're using um, to target these fish? Uh, I always, I always mention, let the anglers mention the gear just because if it's a guy who, uh, you know, don't have the budget to, uh, to buy, buy the wrong gear, you know, what are you using? What size hooks are you using? What size weights, you know, where he can go out and get it and, and be successful? Yeah. Um, well, obviously I use big cat fever rods. Um, right. Right. And anchoring, I use a medium head. And i tell you why. The reason is, A, I fish stumps, just lakes full of them. So when I'm anchored up, I want to have a little more backbone, a little more strength than a rod. Not so much backbone, but a little more strength. Sure. To pull that fish around and through stumps. 
Um, plus, the fish seem to hit a lot more aggressive on anchor than they do drifting. Right. So you can have a little more strength in your rod. Um, and then on the drifting side of it, I use a medium. And the reason being is I pull planer boards. I spread them planer boards is what I use, and they're pretty heavy. Um, but it kind of spring loads that planer board, and it, it helps it. It's still jerky, but it helps it sl- come across the water a little smoother. Right. Than the heavy rods because it's got that little bit of spring. Sure. And then the neck, the flip side of that is on a drift, a lot of times you get hit and then fish barely catch the back of it. With a stronger rod, you're yanking that bait away. With that lighter rod, he can hit it and it eliminates a lot of them short strikes. Right. That kinda... softer tip rod. Right. So I'm, I'm running a medium on the um, drifting, and I run a 10-alt hook. It's uh, made by term, Hooker's Terminal Tackle. It's Mad Cat or 10-alt. Um, and then I, I use some 8-alts as well, mainly for a stinger hook on a double hook rig. Um, I'm running 30-pound slime line on my drift rods and 40-pound on my anchor rods, again, because I'm in the stump, so I want a little more a little more meat on my line. Sure, absolutely. And so, do you run uh, the, the same size leader for drifting that you do anchoring? Yes, sir, I do. I run 50-pound leader um, for yeah. either either option. Uh, I'm running a Bugar C of 6,500s other than that one pin we was talking about. And the only yeah. reason is because that clicker's so loud. Right, right. You can't help but hear it. That's the only reason I own it other than that. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's easy to identify. You know? it, it really is, you know, and it's got a big handle. And, yeah, you know, if you you got it set on release, and you know, when you crank down on that thing, it's a winch. Yeah, that's you know, right. That's right. It's a good reel. Don't get me wrong. I just, it's heavy for yeah. me. Yeah, for yeah. For what I like. But it works great for what, what I use it for. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm running a... I mean, most of my stuff that, you know, I'm using, it's, it's top of the line. It's it's good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of great rods and line out there. Um, but if you're going to spend the money, my opinion is spend it. Right. And right. I know there's some guys that's on a budget out there that, that can't afford it, you know, some of the better stuff. And that's all fine and well, but hopefully well, you can work yourself up to where you can. Well, nothing's more expensive than buying the wrong something and having to go back and rebuy yes, sir. something else. So that's it's just like I, hand tools. You know, you can go buy the the off brand socket set or wrench set, or you can buy the the good set, and you'll replace that off brand. By the time you get done with it, you don't pay for that good set plus something. <laughs> right. And that's the way I look at fishing equipment. How true. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm used, I've had these rods now, well, since y'all came out with them, and I've had no problems. You know, they've held up, so make that one-time investment, you know, and that goes for anything, not just the rods, but anything. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, Paul, we're coming on on 47 minutes, and and this has been a great podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned a lot myself. Um, when you quit learning you need to quit fishing i'm still learning (laughs) that is so true that is so true and 
I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on here and talk with us and cover all these bases and really share the knowledge that uh, you've put into. You know, I, I, I go back and I tell people, I say, you know, uh, some of this insight, some of this knowledge with talking with guys like Paul, uh, if, if you were to have to go back and learn that, you're talking tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars that it would take to get uh, the knowledge that we just talked about here in this 50 minute podcast. I mean, uh, I promise uh, you, I yeah. don't even want to know how much money. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> this podcast is a bargain. It, it really <laughs> That's is. For sure. it, it is. <laughs> All jokes aside, you know, I kept up with it my first year that I fished tournaments pretty hard and I fished 32 of them. Yeah. And I won about $4,000. Right. But it cost me, Almost forty eight thousand. <laughs> right, you you have to do it for the fun of it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I I guess at the end of that year, I mean, it cost me thirty, about thirty thousand dollars, something like there that. You, there you go. It's so, a deficit. Yeah, and a lot of hours on the water, a lot of headache. That's it. Well, well, Paul, again, tell us. Tell us the name of your guide business, where you're located, and the phone number or where people can find you, whether it's on social media, email. If I'm a guy who wants to get out there and 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 really see this for myself, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, Facebook's the easiest thing. Um, guide Services, Fish On Guide Service, LLC. Uh, I'm on Messenger. I've got emails, uh, Fish On Catfishing at yahoo.com. Phone number is 864-202-3095. Uh, we focus on trophy fish. Um, we're conservation-minded. Uh, anything over 15 pounds, it's going to be released. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, the goal every time we hit the water is to catch the biggest fish on the lake. But we got a second goal, and that's at least a 30-pounder. And a 30-pounder is a big fish to a lot of people. Right. Um, Absolutely. This year, we've only got one trip out that we haven't caught a 30-pounder. Last year, wow. we had two trips out. We didn't catch a 30. Wow. So that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, I'm not selling you a freezer full of fish. I'm selling you memories. I want right. to go out, take you and your family, you and your friends, have a great day on the water and make memories. Um, like I said, we're, we're hunting trophies. That's all we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the conservation part of it is so great. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, what'd you say, Paul? Was it 10 or 15 pounds? 15 pounds. Anything. 15 pounds. And, and, yes, sir. And, and the and, reason I do that is this lake's loaded down with uh, 15 pound less fish. Um, there's just, there's a heavy population of it. You know, we're hunting that 10% of fish that nobody else is. Right. So, and, you know, there's a lot of people down here, a lot of other guides that don't have the same theory I do and respect for conservation that I do. Right. And, um, well, we're going to do important. our part. It is. It is. It's so important. And sometimes you'll hear some guys say 10 pounds is the, the limit where they throw it back. And it really has something to do with, it's mostly to do with, uh, the body of water you're on. Yes, you sir. Know. Yeah. Some bodies of water, a 15-pounder is a dime a dozen. And then on some other bodies of water, if you're trying to grow a trophy fishery and really preserve that fishery for the next generation or, you know, and keep those fish getting big, uh, it's a 10-pounder on some bodies of water. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Sele selective harvest is 
is critical to being able to get out there and continue to to catch these trophies and uh you know you've got to respect your resources that's for sure yes sir and uh like you said the 15 pounds i mean they're a dime a dozen here yeah we can go out and catch a boatload of them and right so you know it makes it a little easier to to justify keeping them but like you said if it was five pound fish was a an eight pound fish was what the majority was then we'd be at 10 pounds anything sure. 10 is gonna be released that's right yeah right. it all has to do with the the body of water you're on that's for sure yes sir well well good deal paul thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and uh it it's been great and uh you guys be sure to look up paul blackwell on facebook be sure to go to fish on guide service llc on his facebook page email him call him get a trip out there I'm telling you, it's going to save you money and you're going to learn uh, the right steps in being able to be more productive on the water. Again, Paul, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We've enjoyed having you and we look forward to doing more because honestly, I really feel like I have about 50 more questions I could ask you that I know will help <laughs> guys. But uh, Yeah, we can definitely do it again. Um, yeah, because you know, we didn't we didn't even really touch trolling a whole lot no, of right. of trolling. So we're going to come back for another podcast. For sure. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening and being a part of this podcast. Uh, again, we're going to be trying to do at least a podcast a day to keep you informed and pushing our mission statement to help you catch more and bigger fish. Thanks guys. We hope you have a great afternoon and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thank you.